from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200-WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Jill Vassar of Epicenter, and I will let uh, Jill explain a, a little bit about uh, her organization and what they're working on. Uh, but recently, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to join a, a panel at an event that they, they ran uh, talking about resiliency. Uh, so we're going to cover that uh, in this program and some other things about what Epicenter is working on, what's going on here in San Antonio. And uh, I think it's a, a very interesting project um, and around innovation. It'll have some ties into cybersecurity. But if you're expecting hardcore cybersecurity this week on the program, you may punt over this one a little bit. I may get on a soapbox for a few moments about uh, authentication and uh, biometrics and some of these that I talked about in the panel. But uh, we're going to talk a lot about innovation, uh, maybe talk some about the public utilities and energy sector. So that's what we're going to cover here this week. If you are listening to us on 1200WAI and won't uh, be able to stay for the full program, the rebroadcast of this will go uh, up online on our website at W www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, May 22nd. So thank you for joining us, Jill. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Okay, so Epicenter. This doesn't have anything to do with EpiPens. It does not. Okay. But that I get that quite quite a bit. Yes. When you look at our logo, it's capital E, capital P, capital I, and then Center. So we say Epicenter, but that stands for Energy, Partnerships, and Innovation. And Epicenter is the ultimate manifestation of our community's new energy economy. The new energy economy came together as CPS Energy, our municipally owned utility, wanted to diversify its generating capacity into renewables. And so they contracted with a number of companies from across the country to not only help them do that, but to open offices here, to create jobs here, create investment here. And so three of those new energy economy partners joined with CPS Energy to create Epicenter. Those three are Landis and Gear, Silver Spring Networks, which has now been bought by ITRON, and OCI Solar Power. So these four founders had a vision for a historic power plant that is on the mission reach of the San Antonio Riverwalk. And we are currently in a multi-million, $53 million to be exact, capital campaign to transform that property into epicenter and while we're in that capital campaign we've already started launching our programming which i'm happy to talk to you about today and our summit last week where you spoke was part of that programming yeah that's the the second year for the summit that's right yeah the first year we focused on the internet of things which in your world and in the world of your listeners i'm sure everyone is well familiar but we found that a lot of people have not heard that term, um, even though they understand how a Nest thermostat might work, they don't realize how many things in their lives are connected on those platforms. And so it was a general introduction to the Internet of Things for the general business community, very successful, and the IoT is real important to the future of energy, which is why we focused on that. Then last week was all about resiliency and how to keep a business in operation after a disaster, whether it be a man-made disaster, a natural disaster, or a cyber disaster. And hence, your expertise came into play on one of our panels. Yes. Now, so with the, the Internet of Things, um, this we've uh, talked about it a, a number of times on the program. Uh, one of the real interesting questions is, so with, that, say, that Nest thermostat or other learning devices in the house, like that Nest 
all of that learning is tied to me as the homeowner right now. So when I move, the house is going to unlearn all of that information. There's not a way for me to hand the learning information over. and Maybe you wouldn't want to hand the learning information over to the the next owner in the home. So it, it's going to be interesting, all the data that's collected by these smart devices. Um, what do you transfer to new owners? What do you not transfer? Um, how does that impact the, the power grid? Uh, how does that impact it with, because if all the learning my house has done over the last few right. years I've owned it, that goes away and it starts over again. If you have People it's moving a very in good and out. Question. Yeah, yeah. It's, it gets complicated. We, don't, we haven't we haven't tackled that yet, but somebody's working on that, and that's that's the kind of thing that Epicenter can play a role in, because we'll have a think tank, a startup business incubator, several other elements that we can talk about. But that's exactly the kind of challenge that Epicenter might touch. And um, you talked about the solar panels. That's that's a very interesting conversation that my husband and I, in fact, had. You know, should we pursue the solar panels? What do we do if we sell the house soon? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, um, you know, eventually, as utilities move from a generation model where they build the big power plant and they transmit the electricity over long distances and then they distribute it into your homes and your businesses, it's moving to a distribution model where there's lots of generating capacity all over the place, including your roof, and how that gets distributed in this new model remains to be seen. We're, we're just part of that conversation industry-wide, and the Internet of Things will be a big part of that conversation. Yeah, and the, the telecommunications providers have gone through a somewhat of a similar transition with user-generated content. So it used to be you, you would get an Internet connection at your house, you would go send a small request up to the internet. Um, that small request would be, hey, I'd like to fetch this web page. I would like to stream this video. And then most of the data was flowing from the internet cloud down to your computer. But now with all of us taking pictures on our smartphones, with all of us creating video, and we're uploading that content now from all of these different nodes. So uh, the same thing's happening in, in the power grid. For, for those of you more into the internet side of tech things, if you think about everybody putting solar panels on their house, it's the equivalent of you, you uploading video into Facebook. So now the, the power is flowing both directions on these power grids for the first time. That's exactly right. And CPS Energy, our utility here in town, is about probably by now close to 100% deployed with their smart meters. Um, those smart meters are are on every home, every business, and it allows them to read your meter without sending a person. Yeah, and all those meters are connected. It stops all the the people that used to go put a, a magnet out on their meter so they could run electricity without the <laughs> CPS noticing as well. Yeah, nice. these are the, the hacker attacks. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's, I hadn't heard that one honestly with yeah, the magnet. Good yeah, so there's there's ways on on uh, going after different power meters to do different. Uh, dip, you, you don't put a a uh, complete magnet on there there's i mean and we talk about a lot of things like this on the program um is it's one where if you're listening out there you're like i'd never heard about that before <laughs> but if you're a, a, a criminal you've absolutely heard about this this information is getting sure. shared out there in the internet there's lots of people that have stolen power for years there's people that probably are still stealing power by dropping into their neighbor's power line oh yeah that cps cps drives around to look for those all the time or Somebody right. calls CPS and goes, why did my power bill double this month? And they come out and go, well, it's because your neighbor's now going to jail uh, for, <laughs> yeah. So don't, you're not, right, if you think, right. you know what, I would really like to save some of my power bill. I'm just going to tap into my neighbors. Not, don't not recommended. No, no, that is a, a, a crime. Uh, you will get caught because your neighbor has a real big financial incentive to notice and turn you in. 
Uh, so uh, yeah, hundred thousand percent. That's yes. correct. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting with the power grid and the solar. So I heard California something I, I read this past week or two about they may be mandating solar panels on all new home construction. Have you heard anything about that? I have heard about it. Um, I I don't know any details about it. It it's interesting because if they are pursuing that path, we still haven't solved the battery storage problem no. and that's going to take a long time and so i don't know what they're thinking about how fast they're going to implement that yeah. it's not a bad idea i think no. that there's lots of opportunity there but until we can store power on a utility scale level economically i'm not sure what they're going to do with all that power they produce yeah and uh, yeah it'll be it, it's, it's one on the, the utility grid as well um, if that power is getting produced, it has to go somewhere. Right. Um, solar panels don't have an off switch, um, so it, it's it's an interesting one for for those getting into the the physics and the electricity um, and distribution and generation piece. Um, you're creating heat, um, and you can cause overloads on the grid. This is one of the right. the tricky things that the utilities have been working to figure out. Uh, with this and like where do you put that battery storage how much do you f flow it back through the into the main points of the grids the distribution setup so it's complicated adding all of this uh, distributed production onto to that grid well especially it's changing so quickly and so fast the utility industry historically has not been known as being a nimble or <laughs> very innovative um, or or innovating very quickly and yeah. so epicenter is the kind of place that can accelerate some of that innovation and help test new technologies, help um, prototype them, all those kinds of things. And so um, we're kind of excited about being able to play this role. Now on the solar panels, what I've learned recently is that in my mind, you know, the sun is up, the solar panels are actually producing electricity, but in fact, they only produce about five to six hours a day, even in a full day of sunshine. And there are some technologies emerging. In fact, we have a relationship with a company that's, um, kind of exists between here and Austin and they have created a battery they're called Yoda solar shout out to my friends over there Y-O-T-T-A solar and they have created a small-scale battery that exists on the back of an individual solar panel and so whatever their secret sauce is keeps that panel and that battery cool to manage that heat transfer. And um, we've now exceeded my capacity of understanding what, exactly how that works, yeah. but they've got a real promising technology. And so that's the kind of thing that Epicenter is gonna be real interested in, in helping promote. Yeah, that seems like the type of things you would need for that California mandate to yes. work. Cause there's lots well, for of- For rooftop, yeah, they, yeah. they haven't figured it out for utility scale yet. No, there, there's lots of uh, places in California where the sun shines all the time. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, it, even if you're running your air conditioner depending on how much of your roof you cover with solar you can you can still even be running your air conditioner in your house if you have an energy efficient new construction home sure. many of these are getting built to lead standards now That's right. they're pretty efficient so uh, you may you may be feeding energy back into the grid uh, depending on what that solar how big the solar array is on that roof of the the property you know it won't be too long before we'll be able to sell the power just uh, generated on our roof back to the utility company too. yeah and so that's, you've heard Paula Gold Williams at CPS Energy talk about that distributed model and California may just be ahead of us a little bit. Yeah, well, that uh, I thought that was happening for a while and we can go off air on this, but I thought like <laughs> people's meter were running backwards. It does happen. Yeah. It does happen. Um, 
just not in at the scale level no. that you can imagine. But there are prototypes around town that they're testing these things on and working on, and, and that's the kind of thing that we'd like to have at Epicenter to demonstrate how that works. Yeah, our building, when it's fully um, renovated and built out, and by the way, you need to come for a tour and see this beautiful 1909 building. Yeah. But it is our goal to be LEED certified, of course, but also net zero so that we will generate on site all the electricity we need to run the operation. And there's high ceilings in that place. So you'll, <laughs> you'll have some and, and uh, you're going to need to put some new double pane windows in to get to LEED certification. Absolutely. So we, we don't think we're going to make it to platinum, but we are looking at some of those other levels. It is a historic building. And as you know, in this town, we greatly value our historic preservation. And so we're working very carefully with our architects to plan as many renewable and advanced technologies as we can put in the building while still meeting all the historical standards. Yes. No, it's tricky. We met a company in Dallas a couple of weeks ago who has uh, a window that includes solar cells on it. And so we're talking to them about possibly having a demonstration at Epicenter or putting their product. I think you could you could get a waiver from the historic <laughs> on that one for Epicenter. Possibly. They, yes. they all have to be built custom anyway. So um, yeah. it's just a matter of the dimensions and so, all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. So uh, with Epicenter, I, the mission overall... Uh, is clear. I mean, energy needs to innovate and, and move in, into this, especially as more of our life becomes digital. Um, we're looking at a, potentially a big transition over the next 20 years right. from uh, internal combustion engines to more electric vehicles uh, and increased demand on the grid, increased demand for storage, all of those sorts of things. So it's great to see um, utilities looking on the innovation. But so uh, the combination of epicenter and the historic activation of the power plant. So how did the two of those come together? <laughs> That's a great question. So, um, like I said, this, this power plant was, uh, built in 1909. It was actually called station B because it was the very first second power plant created in the city of San Antonio. Do you by chance know where station A was? No, it was in La Villita. Wow. Yeah, I've just taught you something. So Station B was built out here. It was literally at a bend in the San Antonio River. And so there was water on two sides of the facility. Water ran through the building to help cool the equipment. And so that plant operated 24-7 until 2003. And I like to say it's always been a building of innovation because when the facility was first built, the controls to run the power plant were on three sides of the turbine engines. And over the decades, they, they started um, consolidating and consolidating and upgrading. And so by the time the plant closed in 2003, they controlled the whole thing from one desk. Wow. Which is, you know, I just think phenomenal. So when you come for a tour, you can hear all my stories about how all that worked. So... The plant was decommissioned in 2003, and as I like to say, the EPA had not yet been created in 1909, and so that facility had a lot of asbestos, lead paint, PCBs. You can imagine what had happened there over the decades. Yes. And so uh, CPS Energy was well aware that redevelopment was coming down the river, and they took proactive action to get ahead of that. And so they spent about five years and $13 million remediating the property. It's about five acres, has three buildings on it. They remediated it back to residential standards. At one point, there was a proposal to convert it into a multi-use facility with retail and offices and housing. And that was about the turn of the decade, 2009, 2010, when they considered that. And for a number of reasons, the board decided not to pursue that path at the time. 
So it was still waiting for a new life. And so when the new energy economy formed and um, the partnerships with our local utility took place and they just decided that we really needed to be at the forefront of the future of energy and how could we do that? And they started looking around town, okay, where could we put this kind of facility? It's really an exceptional property on the Riverwalk. San Antonio recognizes that. It is literally at the top of the Mission Reach. It is at the top of the World Heritage UNESCO designated historic area. And it's the next wave of, of redevelopment, I think, in San Antonio. And so all those factors combined made it the logical place for yeah. us. And, and, uh, and lots of square footage. And like you said, very tall ceilings. Yeah. For those listening uh, outside of the downtown area of San Antonio, uh, La Vita is a, a historic marketplace in the basically in the middle of downtown downtown, yes so the fact that that used to be a power plant at one point it just shows how much cities evolve and change over time uh and and the the epicenter power plant uh, station b location is about two miles south of downtown so it's a building that a lot of people know but they don't know what it is so they don't they don't realize they know the building so if you're traveling on on highway 90 east or west and you look north towards downtown you'll see a, a chimney right next to this very odd steel frame that rises about seven stories up in the air. And you think to yourself, what the heck is that? I have no idea what that's such a weird thing. That is Epicenter's future home. That is the Mission Road historic power plant. And that steel frame was uh, suspended the boilers where the steam was made to turn the turbine engines to make the electricity. So, yeah, and and that location makes it ideal for uh, startup businesses and uh, it's it's also uh, just with the facility there you've got some industrial space as well so if people are doing prototyping fabricating and those sorts of yes. things there's there's going to be room in that facility to set up and it was designed like you didn't have to go back and pour a new foundation that is whatever eight feet thick or whatever <laughs> you need to pour to be able to do that sort of stuff it used to have turbines in it it did yeah and it's, so it's very sturdy building yeah. and um, yeah like you said we're going to have five things that are part of our programming Fabrication laboratory is one of them. And so you will be able to come prototype, uh, test. We'll have a microgrid on site, or at least we're planning to, where you can experiment and not blow up the electricity for the rest of the city. Yeah, we like that. Yeah, that's a good plan. And it'll be isolated from everything else, but you'll be able to work with live engineers from CPS Energy as you test and, and uh, innovate. Yeah. The other elements that we'll have is a think tank, a startup business incubator, which... I have a lot to say in that realm. Um, we'll have a conference center and then we'll have exhibit spaces. We'll be telling the story of not just the history of the building, but also the people that worked there and what the facility did for the community, even though it was isolated and um, removed from a security standpoint because you can't have any random people walking into a power plant. But no. yes, the, the neighbors are quite excited that this property on the river is going to be opened back up for them. And we can talk about the community aspects of that if you'd like. We'll also be showcasing the future of energy. So we might have right next to our historical artifacts that came out of the building, we'll have technologies on display where companies are, are showing them off or testing them or any of the above. So you can get both the history and the future all in one place, all related to energy. Yeah. So if folks are uh, looking to schedule a tour or uh, donate some to the capital campaign, where should they? I am really easy to find. (laughs) So if you go to our website, epicenterus.org, look under connect, and there's all different ways that you can connect with us, um, tours being an option. 
Yeah. And if you're looking for that, you'll be able to find that on our, our Facebook or Twitter feed at CyberTalk Radio. Uh, if you're listening to us on iHeart uh, Streaming, uh, if you're listening to one of the rebroadcasts uh, on iTunes Podcasts or YouTube or any other streaming service out there, uh, there's posts up uh, on the, the recap that'll have links to uh, all of these as well. Great. Yeah, and I do tours all the time, so it's easy to sign up for one. And I'll look forward to welcoming you. Yeah. Hard hat required still? Always. Always, Yes. yes. I drive around with a box full of hard hats in my car. So um, we haven't started construction yet. We're still in that capital campaign. But hard hat and closed-toed shoes, and there are no restrooms. No. (laughs) Important piece of information. It is a shell right now. As you said, they've remediated the facility. Everything is cleaned up. I've been out for the, the tour myself. Um, and it's pretty cool to see uh, just how well that building survived uh, over 100 years now on the riverfront, uh, which I, I have a house a couple miles on the other side of downtown, and my foundation shifts around quite a bit. That one does, looks <laughs> it does like, not move. It, no, no, it looks like it's really spot on level still. It is, and it actually goes well below grade, and which is one of the reasons people are so surprised at how large it is because they don't realize how far below grade it goes but yeah. originally there was water flowing through there so you're listening to 1200 wai this is cyber talk radio and i'm joined this week by jill vassar the director of development and partnerships at epicenter in san antonio we're talking about innovation in the energy space uh, we're talking about this uh, great project uh, that's underway uh, to create energy innovation uh, from a think tank on through to incubator on through to actually fabricating and building things. Uh, if uh, you're listening to us on 1200 WAI, we're going to take a, a quick break here at the bottom of the hour for a news traffic and weather update. But uh, Jill and I are going to go into some details of the different elements of Epicenter in the second half of the program today. And if you're uh, streaming with us uh, on iHeart, uh, thank you for listening across the the country if you're listening to us on itunes podcasts or uh, pocket cast is my favorite on android uh on the podcast replay uh, thank you for being a cyber talk radio listener there and uh, joining the program uh you can follow us on facebook uh twitter as well as cyber talk radio uh, reach out to the program give us feedback there are these the type of topics you'd like to hear about uh, there are other things we should be covering that we haven't we'd mentioned internet things in the first half of the conversation covered the background and epicenter so if you did just uh, turn the radio dial on right now uh, you can listen to the full rebroadcast of this program and we uh, put all of our programs up online the tuesday after they air uh, so this one will be may 22nd and you'll be able to hear Jill and I go through uh, how Epicenter got started, uh, who the uh, funders are that are backing it. But it's uh, really been, uh, I'm going to give CPS the credit for being the lead here of doing something innovative with uh, over a 100-year-old power plant facility, turning one of the oldest power plants probably out there in the state of Texas into one of the most uh, innovative uh, new energy solutions. Uh, they're also doing some great stuff with their headquarters building now. I've been watching that one. I used to work in that building uh, back when it was uh, SBC and, and AT&T. For those not in San Antonio or those not coming downtown very often, uh, CPS is m- building out a new headquarters and they're taking uh, what were some probably early 1980s office towers and uh, completely renovating them into uh, lead gold certified. I think they're going up to gold is what I've heard. Maybe maybe even beyond that. But 
in for a less expensive cost than it would have been to build brand new towers up to that same spec. So I love seeing the innovation there. And uh, hopefully as that project uh, gets completed uh, on time, on budget, they release that out to, to other folks. And we can do some innovative energy things uh, all across the country with uh, lots of mid-80s office buildings that are out there that could use some, uh, a serious updating and not just new carpet. So Jill, as, as we, we head into this break here, if, if people are thinking epicenter and they go you know what um is there another city doing something like this another utility maybe whether it's municipally owned or not um setting up something like this anywhere else in the u.s or across the world it's a great question um so far we have not found anything that has all the elements that epicenter is going to have there are think tanks there are incubation centers that are focused on new energy but we have not found anything like what we're going to do with all five of these elements, the think tank, the incubator, the fabrication laboratory, the exhibit space, and the conference center, much less on the mission reach of the San Antonio Riverwalk. So uh, we're going to go ahead and take that quick break for a news, traffic, and weather update. Uh, we will be back to go into uh, all five of those elements in more detail. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, we're joined by Jill Vassar uh, from Epicenter. Uh, this is uh, Energy Innovation, and uh, we are uh, talked all about how Epicenter got started, where it came from in the first half of the program. If you missed that, you just joined us. Uh, catch our rebroadcast or replay on May 22nd. It'll go up on our website. It'll stay on the internet from now until the end of time, as long as we've got <laughs> electricity to keep powering the internet. So if you uh, wanted to learn a little bit about cybersecurity for energy or Internet of Things, in our past episodes, we've we've talked about the Internet of Things security. Uh, we've had on some experts from Dragos talking about um heavy industrial and uh, industrial control system security. So uh, you can learn all about those subjects there. Uh, Jill's going to talk about uh, what CPS is doing for innovation with the partners on Epicenter and what are the different elements of the Epicenter that's coming together here. Uh, they've been around now for a couple of years. Some of these are live and active. Some of them are on their way into the future. Uh, they're looking for uh, some capital dollars to make some of that happen. You uh, can donate uh, via their website. Um, you can go online and look for Epicenter, E-P-I-C-E-N-T-E-R. Throw that in your favorite search engine. You'll find it. Um, and with the, that capital, they'll uh, be building out uh, all the rest of these elements that Jill will will dive into. Um, but yeah, your dollars are appreciated, and they are a nonprofit, so uh, you can deduct those uh, on your taxes if you do choose to uh, donate to them. Thank you, Brett. You're hired. You yes. can you can uh, do fun, add fundraising to your to your resume. Yeah, our our website is epicenterus.org, and you'll find all kinds of information and how to reach me. I'm easy to find. So um, would you like me to dive into some of the programming yeah. we've already started? So when started? we were talking in the, the bottom of the hour break, um, the think tank that you, you all are setting up is going live here this summer. It is. The, the think tank will be the third element that we launch. We're not waiting for that building to be ready to put our mission in motion. And we have a national and eventually will be global set of advisors. In fact, our friend uh, Dirk Elmendorf, who introduced us is one of our global advisors, as well as his brother, Brett. And 
the global advisors are just what they sound like. They are people in the industry or in the tech space or in the innovation space, even in the entrepreneurial space that are interested in the future of energy and are supporting Epicenter. And so the first person we are calling on to help launch our Think Tank's lecture series is coming from the Global Advisors. Her name is Lynn Abramson. She's with the Clean Energy Business Network. And so she'll be coming down to give a free lecture, quote unquote. I'd like to come up with a more fun name for it, but right now we're calling it the lecture series. And we will be having that on June 28th, I believe. On your website. It is soon to be on our website, yes. And uh, we will have that at Geekdom, uh, the event center. It's totally free. Anybody can come and hear her speak. And we're working on her topic right now. But she runs this network of businesses that are really interested in clean energy and the future of energy. And they do a lobbying, which is not part of our our, uh, work right now. But she's really tied into this community that's really growing across the country as more and more people are thinking about sustainability and um, what their businesses can each do on that front. And so watch for that. And we're intending to do that a couple of times this year. There'll be another lecture announced in the fall. And then eventually we'll probably be doing four a year. Yeah. And on those, those lectures, if you get value out of that, you attend the program, please donate so that Epicenter <laughs> can continue to offer more programming yes. uh, that you can take advantage of. Thank you. And and we are running that capital campaign. That's a, that's a big lift and that's of interest to, to certain donors. But we also have a membership program that's called the Power Network. Get it? Power network. Yeah. So we're in the energy space. And so I I compare it to a museum's membership program where you pay X amount, you get X amount of benefits. And there's a couple of great things about that membership program. One is that the power network folks get the first news. Anytime we have something to announce, they get information first. They also have access or closer access to the innovation that's happening there on site and in our programs. It starts at just $25 a year, goes up to $10,000 a year. But it's free for full-time students and full-time educators. And so if there are folks that fit those categories, please go online and, and look up the Power Network and join for free. That's really going to be the nucleus um, of how we roll out our educational programming. We do intend to be a player in the STEAM a lot of people call it STEM. We call it STEAM because we'd like to add the arts in there. Yeah. Uh, all those educational programs that the city is really growing its ecosystem around. And so Epicenter will be one of those players and our Power Network members that are educators will help us create so that's, that. So that's another one of your elements. Yes. Well, I call it the plus one. Okay. It is, bonus got, element. Yeah, it's a bonus element. The first bonus is that we're on the Riverwalk. The second bonus is our educational component. Yes. And so we really intend to offer learning opportunities for all ages, not just students, you know, but as early as your preschoolers who are exploring the Riverwalk and want to come up to Epicenter and see what's happening all the way through university students. We'll have internships. We'll have research fellows, all kinds of of formal education happening but adult learners can come and and see what this power plant was all about they can see what we're working on they can witness some of the experiments that are happening there plus which we're just going to have a lot of community events happening there neighborhood meetings 5ks it'll be a a community uh place making spot because cps doesn't really have a museum right now where they tell (laughs) the history of cps 
No, they don't. And so Epicenter will fulfill a little bit of that role through the lens of this particular power plant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. In fact, my office right now, I have six historic meters that CPS has given us that show the, the evolution. So we're looking forward to having those six meters on display next to a smart meter, next to whatever the, the future brings in terms of those meters. Yeah, and for those listening uh, outside the state of Texas, if you don't follow along in the uh, electricity utility world, uh, Texas is a, an interesting state. Uh, we've got our own separate grid. Uh, so there's a, a big grid in the northeast, there's a grid in Texas, and then there's a few others around the country that I'm not an expert on. There's just a third There's one. only three. There's okay. the East Coast, there's the West Coast, and then there's Texas. Texas, yeah. And then in Texas is, um, is I'm going to call it unregulated. It's not unregulated, but it's deregulated maybe in there. Yes. So there's a mix of public utilities like CPS here in the San Antonio area. There's private utilities, um, and they're all uh, buying and selling electricity on this their own grid that rolls up into this statewide grid. That's exactly right. And so uh, San Antonio is very unique in that the city does own the utility company here. Austin has the same situation. There are some smaller cities, but CPS Energy is the only provider here, um, as opposed to Houston or Dallas, where you have retailers reselling what other someone else has generated. So it does make for uh, the envy. We are the envy of the rest of the country when when we've got our own grid. And ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, who also spoke at our summit last week, um, talking about what the challenges are for Texas in particular. Yeah, it, it from a we have challenges with with hurricanes and certain types of weather here, uh, things to deal with. But we uh, also have a, a tremendous population growth, and yes. so the more people that are here, the more power you need to generate. And so at one point, they were afraid that the capacity here in the state would go, fall to about six to eight percent over the summer. Now they've that some more resources have come online and, and it's looking about eleven percent reserve this summer. But Texas is is growing and yeah. the future of energy is here now. We've got to figure out some of these issues. Yeah, some of the, the stuff uh, I lived out in California when it went through um, negative capacity in the summer. Um uh, yeah, not pleasant. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, originally it was not planned. It just we started having rolling brownouts, yes. which like were unplanned, uncontrolled. Brownouts really, really bad. Um and then they went to scheduled rolling blackouts. So they were turning off sections of the grid so that you couldn't draw any power for two hours a day so they could control the failures out there. Um uh, which was not an amazing experience. <laughs> I uh, can't imagine why you'd say that. Yeah, though. and I'm working for a telecommunications provider then, so we, we got to regularly test our generators and our battery backups and all of our failover because the, the telecommunications infrastructure needs to stay online right. through those rolling Run power outages. Right. So, yeah, it was. Uh, you don't want to end up in a spot where there's not enough electricity to go around. It makes life complicated in a hurry. It does. Well, CPS Energy has a program that my husband and I are part of where you can – agree to let them cut the power to you at certain times at peak times um and they give you notice and then you know a lot of times it's it's that 5 to 7 p.m time when everyone comes home and starts the laundry and starts cooking and that's when the biggest draw on the grid is and so um if you have advanced notice that you're gonna be taken off the grid for a couple hours no big deal you can you can plan your life around that so yeah Anyway, those those are some of the grid management issues, but maybe we could talk some more about the other elements that that Absolutely. Epicenter is rolling out. Um, we talked about the think tank; that's the one that's that's our third element unrolling yeah. this summer. So, which two others are already yes. live? So, the first one that went live was our think our conferences and summits, and we between the conferences and summits and the think tank, we really 
lump that into the, our thought leadership role. And so Epicenter is, is positioning itself to really be a go-to place to have these conversations, not only just in, the, in our community, but across the state and, and partake in those conversations that are happening around the country and around the world. So like we mentioned in the first part of the program, our first summit was on the Internet of Things. And then our second summit was just last week, and it was called Disaster Disabled Resilience Reinvented. Yeah. And so we really tried to focus on what's happening out there that enables a business to stay in operation after a disaster. And you were kind enough to come and speak on our panel called Protecting IT Assets. And it was an interesting group, I thought. We had... Well, well, maybe yeah. I should ask you what your take was. No, it was it was good, and it's because uh, you had a, an interesting audience as well uh, from a mix of large business. Uh, not it wasn't just people interested in energy no, that, right. there. So this was are folks across all sorts of, of industry sectors, uh, and then just uh, also even outside of the large business, uh, a number of. Uh, uh, folks that I think even ran their own companies that were there from a, a smaller business perspective, uh, trying to think about how to handle some of the the disaster planning. And one of the the uh, ones that I mean I mentioned real quickly, and this is a, a great tabletop exercise. So uh, any business can do this. It's super easy. Um, if if you're the leader in a company or a leader of a division or department, um, invite your whole team out to lunch. Uh, take everyone's cell phones away um, and turn off the internet at the office and then ask everyone what's going to break and then you're going to start getting a list of I can't lose my phone I have this I have that I have this and so just the the not having your phone which is kind of a backup to your internet connection at your office because you could still do email you can still do quite a bit with your phone but basically if you lose all connectivity to the internet what does that do to your business processes these days and everyone will very quickly realize how much they rely on the internet um, and if you don't and have power. electricity, you have to say if you don't have electricity, <laughs> you don't, you don't you're have not the resilient, internet. Yeah. Right. Um, and, but with with laptops these days, though, it's interesting. So like you could lose power at your office. You could potentially use your cell phone as a internet hotspot for a while, and you could still continue to function without electricity for some period of time, provided your cellular tower didn't had go the, down in the same go down disaster. In the same disaster. Right. Yes. Uh, and it's a, it's an interesting one where if you just if you pull the internet out of a business these days and completely block people off Purples. of it, what does it do to all their business processes? And almost every process out there in a business now relies on uh, an internet connection to some some step in the process going from A through Z uh, or one through N. Uh, on there, you'll have a step that requires internet access uh, right. in almost everything these days. And and your suggestion about that exercise is so valuable and ties really well into Resiliency Week that we announced at the summit. Epicenter is going to be coordinating a, a social media campaign the week of October 8th through 12th. And the idea here is to continue the conversation that we started at the summit. But if you if your business does not have a resiliency plan, Work on it between now and then. Test it, uh, stretch it, stress it. And then that week, we, we hope to engage the whole community in. We've been working, you know, everyone reporting out basically on social media. We've, we followed Brett's advice and we took away everyone's phones and we figured out we have this huge hole. Well, now we've addressed that hole in our resiliency plan. So we're more confident we'll be resilient next time the storm comes or the internet yeah. goes down or whatever it is. So watch for more information about that resiliency week in October. Oh, that's great. And and for small business, this is something you can absolutely do. Like that, just get everybody, invite them out to lunch and surprise them with it. 
Like, because they don't get to plan ahead. They don't get to think. Like, just see. Because when an, an incident happens, it's not going to be planned and scheduled. Like, you're not going to know that you don't have electricity for the next three days. That's right. And yeah. we had a whole panel talking about their response to Hurricane Harvey. And, you know, them telling their stories about, and these were big companies that had tested, they had plans in place, they had tested them, they'd used them, and what they had to deal with to keep their employees safe and still keep business operating. It was pretty remarkable. Yeah. We did videotape that whole thing, so watch for that appearing on our uh, website. Oh, soon. that'll be great. Yeah. yeah. No. And then our, our last element that we have already launched is our business incubator. And this is an incubator uh, designed specifically for entities with a product or service, an idea, a, a nascent business that is in the energy space. And when we talk about new energy, we mean anything that makes energy cheaper, faster, more efficient, more reliable, cleaner, or extends the life of an asset. So it could be an electricity idea. It could be an oil and gas application. It doesn't matter. Epicenter's incubator, new energy incubator and accelerator is a place where you can apply and um, bring your ideas to us, your small companies. And the um, process will lead you through a curriculum to help you build your business. We launched that very quietly in December. We have two companies currently in the incubator. Go Smart Solar is one of them. Another one is Morton Gestalt, and we can talk a little bit about what they're doing if you'd like. But the next round of applications is due May 20th, and we encourage anyone out there who's listening. Wait. You have until tomorrow. I do. You're right. That is that yes. is not a very long time from now. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening on Saturday night and you're like, I wonder what I'm going to do on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you're going to fill out your application to be in Epicenter's incubator program for your clean energy uh, better energy, faster energy startup. Idea, right. Now, we're going to have uh, several rounds every year, so it's not your last chance. It's just the one that's that's upon us. But um, it's a pretty simple, straightforward application, and we have our, expert, our experts in entrepreneurship and, and our incubator leaders that review it and help kind of sort out, okay, are you really ready for an incubator, or are you still pre-incubation, or is this just a science project that really isn't ever going to be a business? And so... They vet our applications, and uh, we hope to have six to eight by the end of the year, and we'll be off and running. Yeah, even we, if you want feedback on your idea, if you yes. fill out an application, someone will get back yes. to you and, and tell you where you're at. Ready or not ready right now, in the program, not in the program, you'll get some constructive feedback on your energy idea. Absolutely, and um, thank you for clarifying that. But that incubator is operating out of geekdom here in San Antonio until we have our space up and running. And there is a staff person here most days, and you can stop by and talk to Andy Little John. She is there all the time. On the seventh floor? On the seventh floor of Geekdom. Yeah. You, when you come out of the elevators, you'll see our logo on an office across from you on the left. Yeah. So we're easy to find, and of course our website, and um, that incubator is only growing. Now, one of the things that we think is going to distinguish our incubator beyond the fact that it's solely focused on new energy is our mentor program. And our mentor program is designed to bring in folks with expertise from any industry, it does not have to be energy specific. And a mentor's role is to help hold the startup accountable to the goals that the startup sets themselves. And so um, if you're interested in, in participating in our incubator, but you don't have a startup company, check out our, our mentor program and that's easy to apply for as well. 
We're actually partnering with another incubator here in town called Velocity T Texas, Velocity TX, and we'll be running this, this mentor program jointly. So at Epicenter, I can't speak for Velocity, but at Epicenter, we're going to be put together a team of mentors that will work with each startup based on the startup's needs. And uh, those folks will work with that company on the, in the long term to hold them accountable and help them hit the benchmarks that they set. And then we'll bring in subject matter experts as needed. You know, somebody might need a specific kind of electrical engineer or they may need, you know, I don't know, I'm making this up. But we'll, we'll help provide access to those folks, lead them through the curriculum, help introduce them to some people that could do funding. And um, hopefully at some point Epicenter will have its own fund, but we're not quite there yet. It, it is something we're talking about. Yeah. So then the the other uh, elements you have uh, require completing the capital campaign. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so our fabrication laboratory um, will be, like we've discussed earlier, a place to, with all kinds of machines, the names of which I am not familiar, but I do know a 3D printer, CAD machines, things like that, where if you know Drew Placette here, yes. who's had the... Um, do lab yes. based out of here at Geekton. So think about that on steroids. And there are a number of these around town and we will partner with folks who have equipment we don't, but um, it will be a facility at Epicenter that will be up and running at some point. And then the, the final element will be our exhibit space. And we've mentioned earlier that we will have the history of that building and what happened there on display, but it will be in contrast to future technologies and devices that are also on display yeah so as with that at exhibit space as well i think we were having an off the air uh, chat during the break um you gotta be able to tell the history of your own building that hundred year old power plan but there's nowhere that's telling the story of as we mentioned uh, in this half of the program that texas has its own utility grid no one's telling that story yet either so uh, whether you make that a permanent ex exhibition there or whether you, you package up this content i think this is something that um it would be interesting for folks to learn about could be a, a draw there if you're a also a big uh, institutional donor that's like yeah you know what this utility grid's got a cool unique story it's not getting told um i think jill would be happy to help you uh, get out there and tell that story with your uh contributions to pull that to his history together uh Absolutely. and make it into an exhibition I think that's the kind of role that Epicenter can play in putting together an exhibit like that, because I am not aware of any place that does tell that story of ERCOT that's not technical, at least, and, and not user-friendly. Um, but that's yeah. the kind of, of work or programming that the, our exhibit space will will tackle. Yeah, and that'd be a, one as well that could tell the story with the UNESCO World Heritage side that you guys are, are connected to. You'll be able to tell the story not just to San Antonio residents or even Texas residents, but come, folks coming in all over uh, can learn about uh, the differences and how the stuff got set up and the story and the history. So That's exactly right. We want to we wanna be a, uh, a tourism spot in addition to all the other things we're talking about. And we're already talking um, and in conversation with, with the Mission Heritage folks, as well as Confluence Park. You know, the, the San Antonio River Authority and the San Antonio River Foundation have built this wonderful resource park, all focused on the river shed and educating people about that. And that is literally about a 10 or 15 minute walk from Epicenter. So it'll be yet another attraction on the in that part of town and on the river walk that we can partner with. Yeah. So one of the thing we haven't talked about, how did you end up involved in this whole thing? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so my first career was in economic development and I was with the economic development foundation here in, in San Antonio, recruiting new companies to town. 
And at that time, CPS Energy was the largest investor in the EDF. It's changed now, but at the time, they put quite a bit of money, and that's where I learned all about the relationship between electricity and power and economic development because yeah. you can't have economic development without power. No. And so as you, as I worked with companies and helped negotiate uh, relocations or expansions, I worked closely with CPS Energy. So I've always had that background. Then um, my second career was volunteering too much in unpaid positions and got into nonprofit management, nonprofit governance. I served on a lot of boards. I chaired a lot of boards and got into the fundraising side of things. And as my children got older, I said, okay, it's time for somebody to pay me again to be doing this kind of work. And I joined a social service agency on the west side called Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan Community Services, which is a fabulous organization. And you can look that up at goodsamtx.org since I could have a plug yeah. moment here. Plug away. Yeah. And then I was introduced to Epicenter's CEO, Kimberly Britton, by Ann Krause, who runs the Hemisphere Conservancy, who's a friend of both of us. And so Kimberly and I started talking and... And even though I wasn't looking for a change at all, this became too interesting an opportunity to pass up. It's been a perfect match between my economic development background and my fundraising background. And so here I am, there Director of Development and Partnerships. Yeah, yeah so as we were, were talking earlier as well, the CPS needs to get the, the heads up on the economic development important for them because if Toyota just started building a motor plant on the south side of town and said, hey, we need a lot of electricity. <laughs> well, with, yeah. yeah with, without not, the heads up, that would right. not work very well. That's so. exactly right. Yes. So uh, CPS is intimately involved in any new development of that scale. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Um, and it, it, I love the cooperation and collaboration we we have there with the alignment of the, the utilities and the rest of that that make these things possible. So, yeah, if you were. So. If you're thinking about advanced manufacturing and listening to us, uh, not only can you come do your startup at Epicenter, but you'll have a, a good partner um, as you scale that manufacturing with uh, CPS here in San Antonio. So uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us, Jill, uh, talking about this. Folks, if you uh, want to listen to the program in whole, if you just turned on your radio right now and wondered what you walked into, this is CyberTalk Radio on 1200 WAI. Our website is www.cybertalkradio.com. And uh, you'll be able to listen to the replay of this program on Tuesday, May 22nd. All of our programs go up on our website on the Tuesday after they air. So thank you very much again. Thank you for having me.